Thank you, Lord. Just surrender ourselves, surrender this time into your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Growing. Growing up. Growing up is a very important process that no one, none of us can escape. We cannot escape from growing up. I see my grandson is growing so fast. And you can see all the children in our church, they are growing so fast. And growing just goes on. There was a time when I was young, I loved sweet things. And I remember the contents milk those days. I'm talking about 1960s. Huh? In the 1960s, the contents milk will come from England. And the only brand that I can remember was Milkmaid. <laughs> and if you can remember, it was a small tin. That was a small tin. And it used to be so tasty, not like now. Now it's just sugar. Those days, it was with real milk. And I used to think to myself, when I start to work and earn, I'm going to buy a tin and drink it all myself. But it never happened. Now I've come to a stage, you can buy a lot of milkmaid and all tin, but I've come to a point where I can't take sweet. <laughs> What I'm trying to say is when we grow up, values of life change. There's a lot of values that we put, we tag everything with values. Values change. The way we look at things, we have to look at it differently. At one time, maybe this was the way. But then as we grow up, it changes. I want to share with you from a passage from 1st Corinthians chapter 13. This 1st Corinthians 13 is a universally accepted passage on love. So far the best that is ever written, and this is totally agreed upon Christians and even non-Christians. They will say that this is the best about love. 1st Corinthians 13. And it is sandwiched in between very powerful doctrines. 12 talks about the spiritual gifts and 14 talks about continuation of the spiritual gifts. And that's where a lot of divisions can come. In between the two chapters where division can come, center is love. God has so wonderfully placed it. And I want to share with you today 1 Corinthians 13 verses 11 and 12. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, and I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. I had my sermon up there, but... There he says, when I was a child, some will say, I used to speak, the ASV, American Standard will say, I used to speak like a child, I used to think like a child, I used to reason like a child. The King James Version will say, I spoke like a child, I understood like a child, I thought like a child. And you know, many of us at my age, I would have forgotten a lot of things that I thought at that time. But there was a lot of things that I thought which is so different from what I think about the same subject now. It's totally different. So, I got some clips here. First, let's see what Bugs Bunny says. When I was young, I was scared of the dark. Now when I see my electric bill, I'm scared of the lights. And that is true in my own family. My bill is simply going up like nobody's business. 
Then, the next one. When I was a child, most of our neighbours had a bigger house, better furniture, newer cars, nicer clothes, and more money than we did. One thing is for certain. I had the best parents on the block, which means that I was, in fact, the richest kid in my neighbourhood. Next one. When I was a child, I was afraid of ghosts. As I grew up, I realized people are more scary. True or not? Uh, you see. Then we have another one more. This is from the Bible. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, then it goes on. See, Jesus came and took human form, human flesh, born of a, of a woman. But his birth was different from ours. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. But other than that, everything else is exactly what we have gone through in life. And a new child that is born, what a child goes through, Jesus went through the same things. And that's the reason why whenever we come in prayer, there's no such thing of anything to say, I don't think you will understand. We have no room to say that to Jesus. I don't think you will understand because you'll understand everything. He went through the same thing that we went. And my title for the message today is Growing Like Jesus. Growing Like Jesus. You see, a lot of values that we put, everything will change as we grow up from a child. And especially as we go to Sunday school, then we come to know the Lord. The one who do not know the Lord, they will also go through the change. But the one who comes and knows and slowly start to grow and accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and surrender their life, they'll find that the change will be much more different in the sense that strongly assisted by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will be the guide there. And many a times we do not even know that He's there guiding. But later in our life when we realize, we see that He guided us. And that is how it goes. And see, sometimes when children, the teachers always right. Even the father, mother can be wrong. My teachers say, so the teacher is right. And then slowly we change. And sometimes some people can be slogging, working very hard. I want to earn money, I want to earn money, I want to earn money. And suddenly they come to a point to realize, I'm not spending time with my family. And suddenly they realize, it's time for me to slow that and spend more time. When I came in the seminary, I and my another uh, colleague with me, we both were married students. And my tutor was... Reverend Richard Curtin, a very learned man from England, an Anglican pastor. So he was my tutor. And so, normally when you ask people, who will be the first in your life? Definitely is God first. Second, second place will go to the church and the work of the church. But you know, Reverend Richard Curtin said, no, first is God. Second is your family. And I can remember that it's very important because today I see some ministries have been destroyed simply because they got so involved in the work of the church that they neglected the family. Values. So very important as we grow, changing of the mindset. And the Bible, many places talk about having the mind of Christ. Having the mind of Christ. And here we see a lot of changes like that happens. 
In verse 12, I will read this. 13 verse 12. For now we see in a mirror. Yes. For now we see in a mirror dimly. But then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. You'll find that here, there are three stages that are mentioned here in this growing, especially when we know the Lord and we start to grow. The first part will be that seeing face to face, seeing God face to face. The first one, sorry, the first one is see in a mirror dimly. The second one will be seeing face to face. And the third one, having been fully known. And I have some verses here, and we are going to go through the verses. For the first one, dimly, dimly see. See in a mirror dimly. Those days, the mirror was actually not the mirror that we have today. They will have a bronze shield. Bronze and they polish it and that reflection. And so you can just imagine, it is not like the mirror today. Today's mirror is so clear. One small pimple will show. But that one is by itself, it's already not. I think it's time to go back to that kind of mirror. So, in our walk with the Lord, in our growth, we'll find that actually in our react, in interaction with God, the Holy Spirit, with Jesus, we find that actually there's a continuous growth going on. But initially things are dim, but slowly it becomes clearer and clearer. First Corinthians 13, we have already done this. This is First Corinthians Sorry, 2nd Corinthians, the 2nd is missing there. 2nd Corinthians, chapter 5, verse 7. Please read for me. For we live by believing and not by seeing. Yes. Please can you read that again? For we live by believing and not by seeing. Yes. Wait, I'll get this. For we walk by faith and not by sight. The King James Version says, we walk by faith and not by sight. The first thing that we realize in this growing in the Lord is, it's slowly God teaching us not to go by sight. See, when Thomas, the, one of the disciples, came to Jesus, Thomas said, because he was not there when Jesus appeared to the rest, Thomas said, until and unless I see and I put my finger in that wound in his hand, only then I will believe. Then Jesus appears and he said, blessed are those who do not see me yet believe. And many of us, we fall in that category, even I. I have not seen Jesus but I know he there, he's there. When I pray, I know he hears my prayer. I know when I'm lonely and I'm afraid, he's there together encouraging me and strengthening me. I know that. And here, this word, the, the word says here that we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and we can know by faith how God is there. We know by faith that the promises of God is true. He will fulfill it. And this is how the Christian life is. Sometimes it's very hard when a person comes and asks us to rationally kind of prove our faith. We find it very hard to prove to that person. But we know what we believe and we know that our God is real. Because he will say, I have a statue in front of me. At least I have a statue to see my God. You don't have anything and you say your God is there. 
And sometimes we just can't prove to them. But that doesn't mean that what I believe is wrong. Because I know what I believe, in whom I believe. The next verse, Philippians 3.12. Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. See, I press on what Christ Jesus has took hold on me. And that means it talks simply about promises. Promises that has been given to me. I hold on the promises. I hold on the promises. If Jesus, the promise that Jesus has given is by stripes, I am healed. I will hold to that. But my condition immediately might not show that I have been healed. But I stand on that promises. I hold on that. Because God, when he says, he's not like a man. If he says, he will do it. There was a boy who's been coming for prayer. He's a non-Christian. He's been very severely attacked by some evil spirit because he opened his, his life. And uh, they did something. And uh, he, from then onwards, cannot work. His mind, he cannot keep straight his thoughts. So he came today. He's a bit better now, but still, he is not fully open to the Lord. And I told him, if you want to believe, you have to totally believe in the Lord. You have to trust in Him. In your house, you call Him. You don't have to shout till your neighbors come and say, there's a madman. But you can speak to Him as your ear can hear. Because when you speak to Him, you must speak that He is there. You know, when, when we explain this to any one of you, if I explain this to you, you, we will understand. We don't have to see anything, an object in front to believe. But for a person who comes from a faith where everything was object in front, it's a bit hard to believe. But then when they make the move of faith and they call, they know in their heart, yes, the Lord is there. He's hearing me. And I know I'm set free. And that is how it is. In James chapter 1 verse 23. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. Yes. Uh, can you please continue? 23 and 24. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. Yes. Here he talks about the Word of God and how the Word of God is like a mirror. And when we see in a mirror, we walk away, we forget our face. He says the Word of God must be put into practice. And our growth in the Lord, you find that the growth is it started from the Sunday school where the memory verse was given. And I remember in my family, we were made to memorize Psalm 23. Made to memorize Psalm 121. And some important uh, verses, John 14, 6, we were made to memorize. But it started from there. It started from there. And from then onward, not just memorize alone, start to put into practice in our life. Many years ago, there was a big revival in Africa. Just this person who had a very rare disease, and the whole family just put him on side. In fact, made a small hut and put him on side. And they were afraid that it will become contagious. And he has gone to Sunday school. And one day when all of them went to work, he got down from the bed and dragged himself in the sand and came out in the sun. And he remembered, your father and mother will forsake you, but the Lord will take you up. He remembered that verse. And in that sun, that hot sun, he started to cry to the Lord and say, God, you, your promises, you will never leave me. You will never forsake me. 
and then he went to sleep. Immediately after that, when he got up, totally recovered, totally healed. And he went around jumping and telling everyone, the whole village, those who do not know the Lord, all came. And there was a big revival. And from then onwards, there was a big revival that started in Africa through this one person. Because God is faithful to his promise. And then we see uh, the word of God. It's only when it becomes effective in our life, where it, it starts to produce miracles, only when we don't keep it only in aid knowledge. The word of God doesn't produce itself. If it's aid knowledge, it must be practiced in our life. Practice in our life. And when, when it's practiced in our life, then we see it start to produce. It start to produce. A person who just wants to read the Bible and just want to keep it to aid knowledge, deep in his heart or her heart, that person knows that this is the truth, but yet close the heart, you find that the word can't do anything much. Because they are not able to go a step further to believe and to put it into practice. But the person who believes will start to put it into practice. And when they put it into practice, you find that there will be already, it will start to produce. Produce and produce and produce. You see, when the sower went to sow, there were seeds which fell on different kind of grounds. Where thorns and thistles, a place where the soil was not deep. But in the good soil when it fell, it gave 20 uh, 30, 60, and 100. In the good soil itself, the produce is different. You know why? It depends a lot on the person, how much the person wants to put that word into a practice, become a doer of the word. And only when the doer of the word, you'll find that the result will come more and more and more. Then we go to the second part, where face to face, this is the steps of growth. First is dimly, like a mirror. Second, it is face to face. A special encounter in our life where God becomes so real in our life. It becomes so real. In uh, Genesis chapter 32, verse 30. Genesis 32, verse 30. Sorry, 32 was 20. No, it's, it's 30 actually. It's 30. So Jacob called the place Peniel, yes. saying, It is because I, say, I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. Sorry, this is an error here. It's 30. Jacob says, I saw God face to face. Now, Jacob saw God face to face. But we didn't see him face to face. But is our experience with God face to face? How many of you are with me and say, yes, the experience, my experience with God is face to face? Oh, only a few hands. Rest, you know? No? See, whenever we come in prayer itself, after your prayer, when you come out, don't you feel that you have been assured don't you feel that, yeah, I can go through, through this because there's a new strength that I've, I've, I've got. A new strength has been given to me. That simply talks of the encounter with God face to face. A face to face encounter. And we must understand that in our growth in the Lord, we find that our God is real. This boy who came to pray this morning, I just told him this. I told his name and I said, do you know, you are a Hindu. But, do you know, Jesus at Calvary, I told his name and I said, remembered you and died for you. Shed his blood for you. Now, am I simply faking and telling a story to him? No. It is true, isn't it? 
The word of God says that every one of us who are born, that before the foundation of the world was laid, the Lord knew us and chose us. Every person, whether the person has, is born in a, a Christian family or not a Christian family, but that person has the breath of God. The child of God. That's the reason why everyone deserves to be told about Jesus. They deserve that opportunity to be told, but whether they want to accept, that is a different thing altogether. But they must be told. They must be told simply because they have the breath of God. And I told him, you know, he remembered you. It becomes so personal of God because he died and he rose again. He died and he rose again. He's alive. Even when I mention his name now, even we are gathered here in his name, he's here with us. He's here with us. Because Jesus said, when two or three are gathered in my name, I am there, he said. And he's here. See, sometimes, sicknesses, sometimes a sudden sadness, a loneliness, these are things of life that will come to any one of us. But in the midst of it, we are the ones who can still lift our heads and walk, lift ourselves and walk simply because the strength that God gives because He's alive, He's dead together with us, walking with us. That's why you see some places where they have these footprints on the beach and there were one pair first two pairs the person together with Jesus walking and suddenly when real problem times what happens is it becomes one pair and so the person thinks wow Jesus you deserted me you left me alone and went when I was real problems and the Lord says no I was actually carrying you and many times, the Lord is so personal with us. We can see a lot of Christmas trees now. People put up. And they have this, some decoration which is like the snowflake. And they say about the snowflake that each snowflake is different. Is different from the next. Every snowflake is different. Just like our fingerprints are also different. He's a God of unity and diversity. A God, got so much diversity. But he's a God who's also very personal to each one of us. He calls each one of us by name. We open our heart. We respond to him. Give him more room to come in. Give him more authority to rule our life. He takes control. The Holy Spirit can be either the resident or the president of my life. But it's totally, it's up to you and me. How much place I want to give, it to, you, give to him. And so here, Apostle Paul says, face to face. And the next verse is Numbers chapter 12, verse 8. Something that God tells to Moses. Numbers 12.8 I speak to him face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees the Lord as he is, so why were you not afraid to, criti to criticize my servant Moses? Aaron and Mariam, they come and complain about Moses. And God says, I speak face to face to him. And today, you know, our personal time with God, our personal prayer life, our personal Bible reading, our personal obedience to the Lord, these are all things that even the person next to us might not know. That sacrifices that we make because of our love for the Lord, nobody knows. People who leave their country and they go to another country as missionaries, you know what the risks they're taking, especially in today's world. What is driving them? What is the motivation there that makes them to leave their family and come? What is it? 
is the love of the Lord. And the Lord knows all the sacrifice a person has done. So he says to, to Mariam and uh, to Aaron, I talk to him face to face. I talk to him face to face. Because I know the sacrifices that he's, he has done for me. I know what type of heart he has. Man can look at the face, but God knows the heart. Every one of us, our education, qualification, our financial standing can be different. But that is in the world, you can look at a person and put them in a category. But the Lord, in the end of the day, looks at the heart. He looks at the heart. And then, then the, the next verse is First John chapter 3, verse 2. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We shall see him as he is. All the while, face to face, in the Old Testament, they have seen God face to face. In our times, Thomas saw, maybe some people, they say, I had a dream. Jesus came to me. But not all of us are in that category. But a day is coming when all of us will see. Even the one eye, I have not seen, but I will see. That is what it says here. The day will come when we will see him face to face. As he is. As he is. He will present himself as he is. Now, the third thing that we find here is, have been fully known. 1 Corinthians 8 verse 3. But the person who loves God is the one whom God recognizes. Is there another version? Please read that again, Anita. But the person who loves God is the one whom God recognizes. Yes. Okay, that version says like that. In uh, the King James Version, it says like this. 8.3. But if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. The person who loves God is the one who is willing to make sacrifices for God. And sometimes the person next to you will never understand the sacrifice. Why are you giving up so much? It's very hard to explain. But it's a driving force of the love for the Lord that makes a person. But God knows those who love him. And those who have sacrificed things for him, he knows. So, it is not something that, no, he's too busy or too many people he, for, he has forgotten. There's no such thing of telling that. Every detail of what we do. There's a verse in the New Testament which says that every good thing that we could do for the Lord, it will be accounted for. Many of us have a bank account here. But there's also an account that God is having, all that we do for Him. But what drives us to do that? Back again, He says that because He has put His hand upon us, there's a hold on us. Not something that forcing us to do things for Him, but that hand upon us drives us to do something for Him. Out of love. I want to live for you. I want to do this for you. Never mind, even if the risk is involved, I will do it because I know one thing is also always mixed up with gratefulness. Because I'm grateful for what you have done for me. I know what, what would have happened to my life if you didn't come into my life. And many of us go in the, that category. Drugs or maybe addiction to something would have really destroyed our life not, I don't think so, even to this age we could survive. But we are grateful because the Lord intervened in our life. And He changed the whole thing. And that gratefulness drives. 
Now you see, I was also looking about the growing of Jesus. Jesus also grew up. And there's some very interesting verses. First is found in Luke. Luke chapter 2, verse 40. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Now you see, that version says, uh, can you please read that again? And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Uh. But you read in the King James Version, it says quite differently. I'll read for you Luke chapter 2, verse 40. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. I will read, the, read this again. And the child, the word child here is capital C, eh? grew and became strong in spirit. The spirit there is not a capital S. Is it a capital S? No, it's a small s. Filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. This is something to learn. Something to know about even our growth. Jesus grew in his spirit man. The spirit man growth is very important. Because the spirit man growth is where it comes to the garden of Gethsemane when Jesus asked them to pray. And then he came, them, came back and saw they were sleeping. He said, your spirit is willing. But it's your body that is weak. Your spirit is willing. The spirit man is always strong. When we go to the hospital and see somebody, a loved one, is in a critical condition. The spirit man is not in the sick condition. The soul and the body, yes. But the spirit man is always strong. And here we find Jesus, it, it says here that Jesus and the child grew and became strong in spirit. Strong in spirit. How do we become strong in spirit? As we spend the time with the Lord. As we start to obey His word. As we start to practice His word in our life. We will slowly become strong in the word. Just like how we take nourishing food. Makes us strong in our body. The same thing. We find that the being with the Lord, obedience to the Lord, loving the Lord, serving Him, we find that we become strong. The Holy Spirit comes and He, together with us, He helps us. And strong in the Spirit, when we see someone who's sick, we go and encourage the person and give God's Word, the promises of healing. Suddenly you'll find that that person who maybe might be lying just in a very, very down, completely like no hope. But when we start to give the promises of God and tell and encourage the person, you'll find suddenly the person will get up from the bed and then he'll sit up and listen. Because the spirit man has come up. The spirit man has become strong. Jesus, Jesus, became strong in the spirit. God wants every one of us to be strong in the spirit. Every one of us in our growth in our Lord, we must become strong in the spirit. We do not know what the onslaughts of life would be, or even the onslaughts of the evil one. But when you and I are strong in the spirit, we find that the Holy Spirit together with our spirit will make us to be overcomers. We can overcome whatever the situation can be. Because you know why? Our spirit man is standing there strong. 
Then another verse. Luke. Luke chapter 1. I think there's another verse here. Luke chapter 2 verse 52. Luke chapter 2 verse 52. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. The earlier verse, I, I forgot the second part of the earlier verse, which says in verse 40, it says, filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. The grace of God upon him. Every one of us, you know, the grace of God is so very important. When we start to obey God, the grace of God comes upon us. And filled with wisdom. There's a lot of wisdom of the world. But the wisdom of the Lord comes. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And then here in verse 52 it says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature, in favor with God and men. Here we find that, you see, we are people who are also re people who can reconcile the people around us. I've heard sometimes some people, I go to church, I give my tithes, I'm very faithful in my prayer life, my obedience, everything. But you find that the person is such a bad testimony in the family. The family members will say, you know, it doesn't help, it doesn't, it's so unfriendly to all of us. Something's wrong somewhere. Because here we find in Jesus' growth, it says that Jesus increased in wisdom and stature, that means in his body, growth, he was not a stunned person, he was normal growth. But it also talks in favor with God and men. Favor with God and men is very important. The favor with God. What does he simply mean, favor of God? That means there's a, a friendly relationship. And there is a kind of a pleasing favor from there, from the other side. See, sometimes when you go to a government department, we are going to see an officer who is a non-Christian. And he's not even a, a, a maybe a free thinker or whoever he could be. But we want something to be done. So we pray and say, God, I'm going to, to get this thing done. Lord, let your favor be upon that person. And when we pray like that and go, you'll find that that person will just look at you. It could be even an interview, job interview. The person will have something in the heart to kind of like you. First time seeing yourself, something to like you. Nehemiah prayed like that. Nehemiah has to go, audience of the king. And those days, you can't simply go audience. It's, it's dangerous. Even Esther, dangerous. But, Nehemiah says, God show favor. Favor on the king. And as he goes, the king is not in a bad mood. He looks, he's, maybe in his heart there will be something stirring up. I think I want to help this person. I think I want to give the job to this person. And here it talks about favor. Favor with God and men. If you have people, your friends, whether Christians or non-Christians, coming to you and sharing maybe some of their family problems. Not everybody wants to simply go and share their family problems to anyone. But if they're coming to you and sharing... There's a kind of a, some a impact that is in their heart has been put that you can share to this person because he's a Christian. He'll pray for you. Recently, my neighbor has been sharing a lot of things. His wife will come and share some things when he is not around. They both are quite elderly couple, 70, 70 above. They know I'm a pastor. So she will come and tell some things about the husband, to pray for him. And yesterday, he was telling something to me and asked to pray. You see, I can't take it lightly when a person comes like that. But what makes him to come? I don't think it's just a pastor. 
But it's more than that. Many of you might also go through the same thing. People will just come to you. They know you're a good Christian. And they want to come and share and ask you to pray. Maybe some problems that they're going through. Because there's a kind of a favor. And Jesus here, favor of God was upon him. The favor of man was also upon him. People, that means he was a very approachable person. Approachable. Not the anti-social one, but approachable. And that is how it is. God makes us to become like that. And then, the growing of John the Baptist. Very interesting, we saw in Jesus, that Jesus grew strong in the spirit, it says. You know the same word is used for John the Baptist? In Luke chapter 1 verse 80. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the desert until he appeared publicly to Israel. If John the Baptist grew strong in the spirit, and the day of Pentecost the Holy Spirit came, all of us can grow strong in the spirit. You know? In, In our life, sometimes, sometimes we can slip and fall into a weakness into some sin. But the falling in the sin is not so big as the getting up out of it and coming. That is the the more important thing. The more important thing is to bounce back and not stay there and die in that dirt. No. The bouncing back. And here, when we see John the Baptist grew strong in the spirit, you and I can be strong in the spirit. And when you and I are strong in the spirit, our flesh can fall, but our spirit man will lift back again. That is, that is where you and I make the difference. Because we have a God, we have the spirit of God who is alive, is together. Leonard Bonke went to a music shop. He went to a music shop to buy a guitar. And he went there, the salesman saw him, don't know why, suddenly he got very attracted to him, and then they started to talk about Jesus. And so, the salesman then and there accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord. He was led into the sinner's prayer, and he accepted Jesus Christ, so very happy. So, Reinhard Bonke takes his guitar, pays for it, and then he goes back to the car, and he was talking to God, and he was telling what is that, Lord, that this man, he said, I saw Jesus in you. That's what that salesman said to him. I see Jesus in you. And that's why he accepted the Lord. So as Reinhard Bonke was asking the Lord, sometimes you know our God is also very humorous. So he told to Reinhard Bonke, I was in you. I came to your window and I peeped. Which window of the eye? And the salesman saw me. <laughs> you see, is Jesus see Jesus being seen in our life? Jesus being seen in the way we address, talk to people, how we are loving to a person. See, sometimes there's this attitude we notice. A foreign worker is treated differently. The language that is spoken to a foreign worker. The, like a slave. But we can be strict. But that doesn't mean we cannot be, have the love of Jesus and show the love of Jesus. We have to show the love of Jesus everywhere. Because He's always in us. He's always in us. And through us, people see Him. They see, see Jesus in us. They're going, growing strong in the Spirit. So, John the Baptist, we find... He grew strong in the spirit, just like how Jesus grew strong in the spirit. And then in John 3, 30, this is where a great sacrifice that he makes. Please read for me that. He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. Yes, the other version will say, he must, he must increase and I must decrease. 
This is a very powerful statement that is made by John the Baptist. He said, he must increase and I must decrease. But today we live in a world, hey, I must increase. La. I, man, I, 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 I did all the learning. I went, I studies, I got the title, I, no. But then John the Baptist says, he must increase. He must increase. I must decrease. That doesn't mean, because we said that statement to the Lord, doesn't mean that God is going to make us like a pauper everywhere. No. In fact, in the world, you raise us up even much more higher. But He knows our heart. How high we go, we will not let pride come in because we will still have that heart of gratefulness. You are the one. Boss, you are the one. And so, the growing, in growing, we find that he must increase. Sometimes we, we forget that. Because all the things that we start to acquire, and it's so beautiful as a pastor, we have seen many people, I've seen many, they didn't, they didn't even have a car for a family. They didn't have a house of their own. Just coming in the motorbike. Some even came with bicycles. But you know, our God is a God who will never leave them there. Because He's a blesser. Jehovah Jireh, provider, He got the whole world to give. So He will always raise up. And the person, when they, raise, when they are risen up, they must not let pride come in. Let the two haunts of pride come up. And that is where the danger comes. So, in conclusion, I have something here. Genesis 2, 16 to 17. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. My title for the message is Growing Like Jesus. In Growing Like Jesus, there are a lot of things that can be added, but I just want to say only two points which I feel is very, very important in, in, in uh, following these points. First is, obedience is very important. Mankind itself had, uh, had opened itself to sin because of obedience. One simple instruction, obedience. In Jesus' life when we see, how much was Jesus obeying the Father? How much was Jesus in obedience to the Word of God? Today we live in a world where you say, you are the boss man. You don't have to listen to somebody. You don't have to listen. Why must you listen? But obedience is so, so, so very important in the growing to be like Jesus. Because Jesus showed us the example of obedience to the Father. Why must he go and pray? He is God himself. He's a triune God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit is God. Why must he spend the whole night and praying before uh, choosing the twelve? Because he was putting an example to us. At the same time, he was also showing to us that he is in the flesh. He needed the Father. He needed the guidance of the Father. He, may, he had to make sure that he doesn't move in the flesh and make a mistake. He has to be always in contact with the Father. And we find that he was always in prayer. He was always in submission. In obedience. In Philippians, he says that he is equal with God. But he didn't fight for that equality. He emptied himself so that the Father God raised him up to such a level that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Hallelujah. So you see, obedience in our life. When I talk about obedience, some people say, Pastor, I have no problem obeying God. 
Whenever they say like that, that means they have problem obeying other authorities. Now, children, where they show obedience come in the family. In the family, the parents are there. See, from the time we are small, we grow into a level where I'm not the boss. I'm not the boss. But we are taught how to submit ourselves to authority. So go to school. You don't raise your hand and beat your teacher. Your teacher is always right. Of course, nowadays, sometimes the teacher is also wrong. But what I'm trying to say is, obedience is something to be practiced, not only in our relationship with God, but in our relationship with all kinds of authorities, from the family to the church, wherever we are, even the working place. If there is a supervisor, there's a kind of submission. I believe in this area, God is watching every one of us. God is watching every one of us and seeing how much is your obedience. Because from that obedience, you'll find that why a person want to obey? There's a place where Jesus says there were a man had two sons. And he told the sons to go and help in the, in the vineyard. And the first son says, yes, yes. Yes, father. Yes, father. Yes, father. I will go. I will go. But he never went. The other one said, I don't want to go. Every time you call me, I don't want to go. But finally he went. You all read that or not? Huh? Now who did the will of the father? The second one did. So you see, God is always watching us because obedience is something that you can only do if you have the motivation of love. Because deep in our heart, sometimes, we don't want to do it. We don't want to do it. But Lord, I submit to you because I love you. And I will do it. It's also connected a little bit of with gratefulness. With gratefulness because, Lord, you have been good to me. So the obedience is very important. Whenever this obedience is there, you'll find that there's always the grace of God will increase in that person's life. What is the grace of God? It's such a big and small word. Why I say big and small word? Because I can't describe it. It's something that we don't deserve and we get. And that kind of grace increases for those who start to obey the Lord. And not only obey the Lord, but obey even authorities that have been put. One of the biggest things of church division, maybe in the Tamil side, is because the assistant pastor is the crook. The assistant pastor works behind the senior pastor and gets one crowd and suddenly breaks the church. If this is serious, I'm telling you. Many churches are breaking away because of that. Because there's no submission, there's no obedience. Here in the garden, there was a simple instruction. You can eat all of the fruit. There's so many variety of fruit there for you. But that one, don't go and eat. Just a submission, an instruction. And today, God is the same. He sees us in every area. Children, please listen. If your mother and your, or your father will come and complain and say, he doesn't want to listen. Very disobedient. Please. God is also watching that. And it comes to all of us. In all our lives, there is a stage where there is some authority above us and we have to submit and come down. The second thing that I find that can be a big hindrance to growth is What happened to Lucifer, Satan? Before we read this, can you please read for me Ezekiel 28, verses 12 to 15. I think I will read this. 
Ezekiel 28, verses 12 to 15. It talks about the king of Tyre, but in this 12, you'll find this king of Tyre is totally addressing somebody else. So verse 12, it goes like this, Son of man, take up a lamenta lamentation for the king of Tyre and say to him, Thus says the Lord God, You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden. He talks about Lucifer. He was an angel that was given authority. God, God trusted and gave the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The sadies, topaz, and diamond, beryl, onks, and jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. You were the anointed cherub who covers I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. You were perfect in all your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. And that iniquity is the one that we find in the continuation in Isaiah 14, 12 to 15. Now, God blesses every one of us what is the biggest hindrance to growing and being like Jesus? You know what? When we allow pride to come in. How does pride come in? Pride suddenly says, it's all your achievement, man. It's you. It's about you. You, man. It's not God. It's you. You stayed late nights. You worked very hard. It's you. But then, that happened simply because God blessed you. God blessed you. And sometimes we have to bang ourselves and come back into the right perspective and say, no, it is God. It is God all the way. And you see, for God to say that this angel was perfect. You know, the word perfect is not used for humans at all. If you want to use the word perfect, we can only use it for God who is perfect. But God used that word for that angel. You were perfect. That's why pride came. When you read Isaiah, what was the sin? The sin was, he thought to himself, why not I make my throne a little bit higher than God's throne? That's it. So it comes like this. To grow, to be like Jesus, if God is blessing and using me, I become more humble to the Lord. So, no self-exaltation. Pride equals, I put there, humility. Humble. Jesus humbled himself. Moses, there was no man like Moses who was humble in the Old Testament, he says. But Jesus was much more superior in the sense. People spit at his face and he didn't spit back. Just imagine and see. Hot spit coming and straight away, pop, splash on your cheek. I tell you, even you are the most calmest person. That hot spit will do something else. And then the person will there will shock. Hey, I never knew you can get so angry. You know, but Jesus was so calm. He was hanging on the cross and they take his clothes and they are putting lots. And he can still say, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they are doing. That is the example. Growing to be like Jesus. To have 
that character of Jesus. Of course, we can never come 100% there. We can never. But we can strive to be. True or not? Today, I tell you, the people around want to see Jesus in you and in me. When you and I start to grow in the Lord, they will see, just like how that, that shop owner of the music shop said, I see Jesus in you. I see Jesus in you. And Renard Bonke was wondering, how, what did this man saw? And Jesus said, no, no, I was just walking. And in a window of your eye, I just saw. And he saw. <laughs> he saw that. <laughs> Jesus must be seen in our life. It's very important. Today, the Lord wants to use every one of us. He wants us to go and tell the good news, especially this time, the season of Christmas, to tell about Him. Use this opportunity. Open your house. If you know some, some people, some of your friends, who are very interested to know about the Lord, invite them. Give them a nice makan. Give them a nice dinner. And then, that will be a good opportunity to also tell about Jesus. Shall we all stand? The Lord is here. God, Holy Spirit is here. Minister to us a lot today. We want, to, we want to grow like Jesus. We want to be like you, O Lord. In our thoughts, in our words, in our deeds, yes, O Lord. We want people to see you in us. Yes, O Lord. Jesus, there's no one like you. The world needs a Savior. There's still so many, O Lord, who are lost. There's so many who are lost. So many of them trapped, O Lord. Yes, O Lord. And put into dungeons by the devil, O God. And only you can set them free. Innocently, some of them just simply go and for fun, they just put a tattoo and the evil spirit just comes upon them and they are tormented the rest of their life. We hear of so many cases like that, O Lord. And only you can rescue them. Only you can bring them out, O Lord. Just like how you brought us out. Yes, O Lord. We want to grow.